It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right. Welcome to RSG, the Cypher. Uh, the place where, you know, we put the topic in the middle of the of the ring and we're going to battle it out. We got a couple of interesting topics tonight. Uh, the Cypher is brought to you by uh, Patreon, uh, the place where underground artists and performers uh, connect with their, their fans to build support. You can find RSG uh, on uh, Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com and search for RSG and uh, support us on there as we are trying to build on the movement. Um, I'm here with my man, the, the, the super intern, the dope producer, the young man who's kind of growing into a role, my man Darnell. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, I think from, from watching the new basketball games this last week, I think um, that 30 for 30 might have re-aired um, with the bad boys. Yeah. I know. In, 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 a, in a season where they decided that, you know, they had this whole thing around um, not um, uh, uh, impeding progress and getting to, in the way and all this stuff, really trying to free the game up. And it, it, we got, it's like, we got Slick Mahorn back in, you know, <laughs> we got back in, back in here. We got all kinds of tempers, which, which we'll talk about uh, a, a lot tonight. But yeah, it's been, the opening to the NBA season has been interesting, to say the least. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that tonight on the Cypher. Uh, did you enjoy your interview, uh, your first big time interview and a producing opportunity along with me, uh, with Dougie Fisher? You had, did you have a good time with that? I did. He had he had some things to say, and um, it was it was a pretty good interview. Um, it was first time um, meeting Dougie Fisher, and it was a good experience for me. Well, you know, he put he put a, 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 a invitation out to try to get out to the Wilder fight. I'm gonna try and uh, follow up on that and see. You know, maybe we get the youngin in there with me or something. We can figure <laughs> something out. You know, along the lines. But you know, Dougie has always been a great supporter of our platform. I mean, folks are. I've saw people on our um, Twitter account retweeting a lot of people in boxing who have checked it out. And I mean, it's starting to get some, some, some carry. Uh, one person took the content, built it into his and retweeted one of the uh, boxing. So, I mean, people are, it's, it's been interesting to watch that thing take off uh, in a, in a very interesting way. So, you know, I'm going to be tracking it, but you know, you know, Dougie has been great to us. I thought we had a great, conversation now you had a little bit of disagreement you and t- i talked a little bit off the air he he had he had some ranking that you you didn't quite agree with talk to me about that oh you want to bring that up yeah oh um at 130 i believe that javante tank davis is the number one fighter at super featherweight he just needs to fight um he i know he can get he can kind of get out of some people's um memory at time because he's Floyd Mayweather he Floyd Mayweather is the Michael Jordan of boxing this is what I'm gonna say from first and foremost he was a great fighter just like Jordan was a great player but 
as a front office member, he's horrible. All of, <laughs> um, all of his all of his young prospects and all of his fighters, they don't get any press. He doesn't promote them. Even, even if he goes to the fight, it's all he's only promoting himself. He's not promoting his fighters. He watched like the um, Badu Jack fight. Um, he was up there talking about um, about how he how how he was doing. You know what I'm saying? And when he took takeover to um, England, he was talking about himself the whole time. And um, there was no reason why we should have guys like um, Richardson Hitchens and guys like Tank Davis that are young, hot prospects that's only fighting once or twice a year. If you look at um, the other side with Bob Arum, you got um, Shakur Stevenson. And with Golden Boy, you have guys like Ryan Garcia. Seems like every time you turn around, we're seeing them on somebody's undercard fighting. But that's just my, that's just my gripe with them. But, um, yeah, I believe Tank, um, Tank will be everybody at 130. Um, now that Lomachenko um, would have gave him, I think Lomachenko would have beat him. But everybody else, um, Alberto Machado, um, you have Miguel Burchelt, you have Tevin Farmer. I think um, Tank stops every single one of them. And so you, so you, so you saying, you, so you saying, Money Mayweather is kind of like uh, boxes version of. Uh, of Dr. Dre, you know, as I said before, we, when, you know, Eric B and all them went to where, you know, Dr. Dre is such a perfectionist and thing like that. People's albums never get released unless yep. you snoop. And so you like, you know, uh, 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 he's not actually releasing any albums. They got these guys fighting, you know, because he's controlling the narrative a little too much rather than letting the artists just put what out what they feel at that point. So let him, let his hands go, let him flow. He's over controlling his, his layout. Do you think... Do you think that he gained? Because it seemed like at a certain point, Tank was fighting a little bit uh, more often. But then he had the problem with the weight, didn't he? Right. Yeah. And then, do you think once that happened, and it you know it became a problem, and that was on a big fight too. Yeah. Um, do you think was there a little bit more control post that event, or was has the control? Was there even more? Even some of that stuff was happening before that event happened. I think it happened after that, to be honest, because um. One thing with making weight, um, one thing that can make you grow out of a weight class is inactivity. If you if you don't have to constantly make the weight, sometimes you can outgrow the weight and you will end okay. up missing the missing weight later on. So um, him not fighting in nine, ten months, that's not going to help him make weight. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, so I think yeah, man. Um, the problem that I think I think the problem is. That um, when Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather wants Javante Tank Davis to train with him in Las Vegas, and Tank Davis he wants to train with he wants he wants to keep his trainer in Baltimore with Calvin Ford. He wants to keep training with Calvin Ford in Baltimore. But uh, and uh, the thing is, Calvin Ford can't leave Baltimore because he's entrenched in his community. He's yeah. a good leader out there, so he can't leave. So um, Tank is saying, "I'm not leaving him. I'm not leaving um, Calvin." And Floyd saying, um, you need to train with me because I see potential in you, something like that, stuff like that. Okay. And he's, he doesn't like that. Um, that and he seems like um, – he thinks that Floyd is um, – he thinks that Tank is putting him away, so he put him on the shelf. Mm. So I, that's what I see. Okay, okay. You're hitting, you hitting it tight. You're hitting it tight. Uh, I, I love that, that frame of thought. So, yeah, I, I like – I kind of like how you're flowing with that, um, and, and those are good points. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep watching it. You know, hopefully we get Dougie back on. Uh, you might We might have you dig a little bit deeper in there. Don't, don't, don't get no mouse in your throat. Don't get no <laughs> mouse in your throat. On, don't, get, don't get stage fright. Keep that same – keep that same that, – that same uh, uh, flex uh, when you do it. You listen to RSG, The Cypher, you with Darnell and Divine. Um, we uh, are getting to some things. So we're going we gonna to try and – you know, get into this this kind of opening. We call this called bless the mic, where we kind of open things up. 
And we got a couple of things. So historically, if you've been following us on One Mic, which is our, our show where um, we, we have a little different kind of deep analysis of a topic, we usually get warmed up with some across the sports kind of stuff. And then we'll spend probably about 15, 20 minutes. There are times we might bring an expert on to help us with that topic, which is different than the cipher. The, the cipher is just you freestyle battle, you off the top of your head. We got some structure to it. But, you know, you notice when Darnell got on, you know, the mic was on, he was hot. He had to get 16 bars up. He had to get his game up. And, and, and you know, we working on, you know, it's like eight mile. It's like we working on your on, on, on what you can do and get in and out of turns. And so, but, you know, one mic is we go deep uh, a, a little bit and, and we get into some of these issues that, um, that cross over. One of our topics we always talk about is what is beef? Because sports always has a beef element to it. And we got a lot of beef. You know, Darnell kind of opened up the show talking about, you know, issues of beef. The NBA has been crazy. And we ain't really too much into the season already. But we got the MB, the drumming MB situation that has spilled over. It's kind of been ongoing. But, you know, I think it, I think it got elevated because of what we saw happen with Chris Paul and Rondo. And now we got to follow up with that. In, in a league that has tried to keep the game more open and they've done everything around, you know, not allowing you to negate uh, natural movements and progress and everything else. It feel like you said, it's, it's, it feel, this, this feel closest to the nineties, the eighties we had in a long time, straight out brawls, fights, talking, people are getting competitive and testy. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you saw, so Rondo, this was play. So people didn't understand. Uh, it was opening night for LeBron in the Staples Center. You may not have a chance to watch it. And so it's a big event. You know, they, they're trying to get the victory. It's the Rockets against the Lakers. And it's a battle. That game is going hot, going strong. They're going at it. Uh, everybody's been kind of testy. Um, uh, you know, it's history between some of these players. And before I know it, I'm watching the game. Before I know it, uh, Ingram, who uh, uh, had a, a, a foul on – who did he foul? He fouled um, – James Harden. He, J- James Harden. James Harden. And, yeah. and then kind of pushed James Harden. So, so first it started with a young and like – you know, Ingram seemed to be – he's always the cat who's kind of quiet. You know, he's a Duke guy. Got a little – he got them skinny elbows. He's stringy, but I always said even that Duke, he plays stronger than he looked. And he – I sometimes criticize Duke players, but Ingram's not a punk. He wasn't even punk in college. But you can, you can kind of play him because he kind of looks sleepy. So I think he was at a point like, I'm just – this season I think he's decided I'm bossing. So he responds in a way I've never thought he would respond. I mean, he, he pushed up on hard because hard can be, you know, a little – you know, hard can try and flex a little bit of ways he should be flexing. You know, hard's a big dude, though. I can say that. But, yeah. you know, you know, Ingram looked at him like, I, you can get some if you want some. It, it felt a little bit like um, – uh, like our boy from Cincinnati, Broner. <laughs> like anybody wants some can get some. That's anybody how Ingram was going at it. You know, and then Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul, and then Rondo, because Rondo gonna come in, because that's why Rondo's the vet. He gonna come in and say it's it not gonna be nothing like this. He's tussling with Chris Paul, and I didn't know it at the time because the, the, it came so quick. I guess he spit on Chris Paul. Chris Paul put his finger in his face, and Rondo hits him with a, a check left hook. We're going to bring some boxes back in. Technique was flawless. Rondo's technique was flawless. Check hook. But then, you know, it looked like it almost buckled Paul's knees. 
He failed, but he came back with a little uppercut. I said, oh, okay, you got a little Bud Crawford in you. You got a little Bud Crawford in your move, and then Melee comes out. Now LeBron, because this is his boy, but he got his new teammates. We got a new layer. LeBron's holding his boy. He got his teammates heated. This is war. It almost felt at that moment kind of like Danny Ainge felt when they were playing against the Bulls, and he was trying to get Barkley to understand, we fighting for this. I don't know if you all know back back in the series. I mean, uh, Michael Jordan was taking Barkley to dinner. This was Barkley's MVP doing all this stuff, and it got into that finals. And, you know, Danny Ainge is as feisty as it comes. Danny Ainge was so upset in those first couple games because the reason why they were losing is because Barkley wasn't being Barkley because he was somewhat falling into the trance that Jordan does with his teammates or with his friends where he he starts to feed them. So – I think LeBron had that same effect. Rondo's like, we at war. <laughs> so it's going to be some interesting dynamics in that. Paul gets kicked out, right? Ingram didn't even wait to get kicked out. He just walked out. <laughs> Rondo walked out. Melee and Sue, they had everybody on there. Did you see it, man? I laid out a whole bunch of stuff. I might have missed some pieces. Yeah. But, but, but what was your reaction? Well, from what I saw... Is um James Harden did a Euro step, right? And he, uh, <laughs> and he um he bumped Brandon Ingram and they called a foul on Brandon Ingram, but then um the ref signal and said no basket, the foul's on the floor. So then James Harden and Chris Paul and James Harden and Chris Paul fashion, they go to complain to the ref like, Oh, the basket gotta count back and um Brandon Ingram runs up on James Harden and says, Get your soft butt out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, Chris Paul runs in there and says, you're not going to do that. And then Rondo comes in, and Rondo's talking. And then Rondo and Chris Paul is joined, and then Rondo spits on Chris Paul, and Chris Paul mushes him with his finger. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, Rondo comes back with a good left hand, and um, Chris Paul comes in with a jab uppercut. But the thing is, LeBron pulled Chris Paul so he couldn't get his full power into the uppercut. So uh, Rondo (laughs) – Rondo was a little lucky with that, but um, what did well, I don't know if you said this or not, but um, as LeBron is pulling Chris Paul away, Brandon Ingram comes running from behind. That's right. Punches him in the back of the head, and what goes what goes missing in this whole thing is, I know you're talking about um, LeBron being the guy with uh, with friends and other team that's um, not necessarily getting involved, but there is one guy standing there the whole fight. His name is Carmelo Anthony. Yes, he right. He didn't do that. He just stood there just looking. I was like, man, you're from Baltimore. You got to do something, man. Carmelo said, I ain't got that many checks left. I ain't missing no check. You know, I got to, I got to figure out this situation with the stuff at home. He got all that stuff going on. Carmelo was like, I ain't missing no checks for y'all. You ain't going to get me out here missing checks. The other part that, that people didn't notice that you probably got it is that Last make you dance was actually the peacemaker. Like the thing, the craziest thing about it was Lance Stevenson was the reasonable cat of all the people. Like settled down. Like how did Lance become the person calming down the situation? That's the part that had me laughing the most. Lance was trying to settle down. Everybody settled down. I fell out when I saw that. I was like, this kid. If you would have predicted that Lance is the peacemaker in all of this and not the instigator. Oh, yeah, it was. But you, you pointed about Melo. Yeah, Melo didn't throw no blows. Melo didn't hold nobody back. Melo like, I'm about my money. 
you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna have, there ain't gonna be no, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna be able to look at videotape and said I was doing anything. I can't be losing these checks. I ain't got that many of these checks left. So I don't blame Melo. Yeah, him and Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball ran all the way down court. Just stayed, he stayed there. And that's the problem with Lonzo is that that's about the second or third time he because last year they had that kind of stuff. Yeah, he and said they ain't gonna fight. They talked about it, but Lonzo like, I ain't missing no checks. Lonzo young. <laughs> Lonzo like, I'm, you know, I'm non-violence, non-violence. <laughs> You're right, Lonzo ran out. He wasn't even in the mess. He wasn't holding nobody back, and that's something he got to work on. Like you, young. You you can't Ingram and all these cats out here battling. I know you want to battle. You cannot run down the other than this court. At least Carmelo stood near the melee. Looked like he might have stopped in it. You were right. He was at the other end of the court. What's interesting about this is that it felt like if you ever have been in the gym, any rec gym anywhere or any park, it felt like one of them fights where, like, out of nowhere, everybody's talking, everything else. Next you know, there's, like, 10 people fighting on the court, and you don't even know how it started. You know, it felt like one of them wreck pickup game fights that you hardly ever see in the NBA because cats don't want to miss no checks and don't want to get hurt. They was like, forget this. So that gets going. Everybody getting kind of testy right now. Then I go try to watch my Pistons. And, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm trying to see where they going. I'm trying to see what's going on with them. They playing Philly. And, you know, Andre Drummond and Embiid, they got a history. They got a history, and they get the bumping and moving it and getting it going, and then they want to take it off on off the court and talk about soft and I'm in your head. To me, this makes the league interesting. I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this. Embiid talks to everybody. He kind of picks his fight. He don't get it on everybody. He's very selective, but he's it's a little bit of comedy he got, but he don't mind the competitiveness, and Andre don't mind uh, – uh, 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 participating in it at all. Those are two big fellas. If they ever start throwing, I don't know who's going to stop them. Them two, they too big to be having somebody jump in and try to stop them two. I'm looking at y'all like, y'all just going to start fighting until y'all get tired. It's going to be like hockey. To somebody pull a jersey over their head, that's what we're going to stop y'all. Because y'all too big to be up here trying to break them up. What's that all about? You over there in Michigan, what's going on with, 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 with Drummond and, and Embiid and all them? Well, Joel Embiid is a very annoying character. I love his game. He's one of my favorite players in the league. But he 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 um he steals a lot from the European um the European influence of basketball. <laughs> yeah, he channel. I know he was talking about he how he learned how to shoot from YouTube videos watching white people. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess he learned the shot by playing soccer with Manager Logley and them. But he. <laughs> He he drew a check on um on uh, Drummond, and the second check he um he uh, I guess Drummond gets a rebound or something like that, and Embiid flops. He doesn't get touched. He just jumps back, and I guess today the um, check actually got rescinded. Where um I thought it would. Yeah, it got rescinded because he didn't touch him. I mean, and then and then Embiid gets up talking about oh get him out of here. In his little accent, but man, yeah. I, I tell you this. Close, but it was here. Yeah. It was funny though, and they, you know, in the aftermath, they they're pretty funny when they're they're uh, uh, going back at each other and everything else. It, it's pretty funny watching them uh, uh, go back at it. So we got some rivalry started, 
And then you get so the aftermath, Embiid them still talking, but then you get Rondo saying, Look, folks don't like Chris Paul. And you hear that, you know, Chris Paul can be a little annoying in the locker room. You hear a lot of people talking about that, controlling, micromanaging. I call it Van Gundian, controlling every possession. <laughs> but he control it, you know, he wanna be in control of everything uh, around it. Cats don't like that. Uh, you know, Rondo's had his issues in the locker room uh, and everything else. When you heard that, and Rhonda put the stuff out in the streets, you know, he wasn't even, he wasn't even messing around. Rhonda put it out in the streets, you know, and, and, and then you get, you know, the GM for, uh, for Houston coming out tweeting, you know, pop calling Keller Black, which in some ways reinforces the notion that maybe Chris Paul is kind of uh, uh, annoying in the locker room, right? He doesn't, that's not a good expression to use in this, in this way. And if he's trying to come to the, to the support of his, uh, of his player, this is part of this is interesting because um, so I'm going to say one thing. Chris Paul wasn't going to go in them, go through that back uh, hallway to go follow up on Rondo like he did against the Clippers because Rondo ain't one of them kind of cats. You notice that didn't happen. They weren't banging on the door of the Lakers like they were banging on the door of the Clippers because Rondo would open that door. So it tells you that there's a level of respect yet testiness between the two of them, like two great middleweight fighters. They're going to talk a lot of junk in or whatever, but they do respect the power of both of them. But what is this, you know, where do you think some of this comes from for Rondo? Where do you think some of this comes from from Chris Paul? Where do you think, why are these two beefing in your mind? Well, these guys have been beefing for a long time, actually. Mm -hmm. These guys have been beefing since 2009 um, when um, Rondo was in the Celtics and Chris Paul's in the Hornets. Um, they, they, they got into it. They had gotten into a scuffle. and. There was audio. Uh, the clip is on YouTube, and um, I don't know if we could we should post it to the site or something. But uh, Rondo told um, Rondo told um, Chris Paul, he was like, "I have a ring, and you'll never get one." <laughs> <laughs> That's not like a Rondo move. He going right at the heart. He going right at your heart. And Chris Paul probably took that because that that was painful because he is struggling. You know, and it might appear to be what it is. So both of them are, were, you know, at that time, because Rondo was like, we button to be who's the best poor guy in the generation, right? Um, and Chris Paul's a great point guard, and so is Ron. I think people forget that he's more than just playoff Rondo. Like, this cat was one of the, you know, top one or two point guards when they was running, making that run. So, and grew up into it. So you're right, there's a, there's a little bit of feistiness. And I don't mind the competitiveness. I don't mind that fight. I think sometimes in sports we over legislate that part of it, of uh, that competitive spirit. And I've appreciated the level of competitiveness of particularly basketball players, even people making decisions about where they're going around winning, not just the money. And I can appreciate that kind of culture. And even some of the younger players coming in with that hunger for winning, like MB, like he really wants to win. He, he knows he's getting paid, but it ain't enough for him to get paid. He wants some chips. And I, I like – and he going to compete to kind of get it because he sees with LeBron going to the West. So I'm if I got to roll over, I'm going to roll over you. But Embiid is running into a guy like Drummond who's like, hey, it ain't going to be like that. And and same thing with Rondo and Chris Paul. So it's going to be interesting as we work, work through and watch and, and watch some of these things develop. You know, we'll always, we'll always have to either on, on one mic or, or decipher or when we get uh, – 
my guys uh, uh, together with uh, Phil and Marcus, who, who love to talk about this. The What Beef segment will be across all RSG uh, 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 airways because there's always some beef we got to deal with. There's always there is there was one though uh, <laughs> that we didn't even hit that we didn't have on a rundown that came out late was former the former commissioner David Stern oh, talking funny. about the the, the 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 New Orleans GM and said he loud I mean like everybody even the former former, the former commissioner throwing shots across the ball he better watch out that GM might might uh, uh, clothesline him at the All Star game. You know, keep my name out your mouth. You know, you know he down there in New Orleans. You know, he he might be pulling from baby, like put some respect on my name. You know, he he might have some of that that uh, that, uh, that 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 New Orleans influence in him. But I don't know what I'm like. I'm like, why is David Stern add to this beef conversation? That was crazy trying to defend his legacy. Did you hear that one? Oh yeah, I just heard about um, 20 minutes ago, something like that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't ever thought. <laughs> the NBA is on some whole new talking jug where even the former commissioner is throwing shots across the bar. I love it. That's why they're growing in the ratings. That's why they're so hot. More and more people are viewing and looking in on on on, on what's going on. But well, I think there, tur- there's some worse GMs out there than uh, him. Oh yeah, the I mean, and part of it, he's trying to do it. He's trying to do it in a small market. He's trying to, you know, it, it, it's funny because I hope people say, "Well, that's not just." New Orleans is one of my favorite cities. I don't understand why, other than your fear of hurricanes and somebody you had that in Miami. New Orleans, if you're a young superstar, is a great place to live. Like, don't treat New Orleans. I forgive it. I'm up here in Wisconsin. It ain't Milwaukee. It ain't Cleveland. Like New Orleans is a place. That's what we have. At, you know, that's what we have. Um, uh, was it Essence Fest or or whatever? I mean, we have New Orleans is a a great town. For diversity, so I don't know how that New Orleans got on like they Utah, like so this whole idea that young people—it was crazy. I heard people talking about this. I heard T Mac talking about this. I'm like, New Orleans is one of the three or four cultural dynamic cities in the country where things are happening all the time. Like, why wouldn't a young person want to live in New Orleans? So I, I, that whole argument, like I'm listening to people like this is not Oklahoma City. Like this is a place where you got music, world class stuff. You got great entertainment. You got Mardi Gras. You got. I'm like so, so. But he's still. They're still operating like a small market team, and he's trying to manage that that kind of expectation. But for David Stern to be putting that across, I was like, woo! The NBA is on. The NBA is on fire. All right, as we enter into the cipher, that that was coming out of blessing the mic segment. You listen to RSG, the cipher. You hear with Darnell and Devon, Devon, and so um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stories that were emerging in college football, and there's some interesting stuff that's come together. So the the, the first one, I'm going to frame it like this: We got turmoil in Columbus. The board, the Boilermakers, have a woodshed performance. For those of y'all that did get a chance to watch that Purdue-Ohio State game, man, just the story behind it. Uh, our young man, Mr. Trent, who's a student who battling cancer and hospice care, just all the storylines around it. Um, you know, it's, it's Saturday night, West Lafayette. Uh, you know, you got this dynamic freshman on Purdue's team. What's his name? Sidney Moore or something like that. Uh, who is number four, who's 
Yeah. Or is it Rodney Moore? Rodney Moore. Rodney Moore, so Rodney Moore, who is like all everything. Like this was what a high, you know, highly recruited person who decided that he wanted to go to Purdue and make a difference right off the bat. And this kid was dynamic. And then you got the whole story with the Buckeyes, you know, Urban Meyer and everything else. And so I felt this would be a trap game. <laughs> I felt it was. I called it. I told my boy C Hamp, he'll hear it. I sold him. He he and he reinforced it on Twitter. Follow me at RSGD Wills. You can also catch us at Real Sports Guys on Twitter and all other social media platforms if you want to do that. But if you want to get with me, you can do that. And my boy C Hamp reinforced the fact I told him. He he texted me for the fight for the for the, for the game. I said the Boilermakers gonna get him. I said, I watched Michigan come down there. Them Boilermakers are hitting. He's trying to build something down there. I think this is a trap game. Because the Buckeyes flourish when they have a dual quarterback. Because when the offense don't work, Urban likes to start running with the quarterback because uh, you outman your team. That's his go-to move. Yeah, Dwayne is not that guy. Right? Because you don't have anybody counting for the quarterback. And when they start to struggle, if you notice last year with, with Barrett, what he used to do is start running the quarterback because you don't have enough in the box to kind of get the offense running. He runs his offense like it's – if you think about like basketball and there's a couple go-to guys, that's how he runs his offense. The problem he got right now is Haskins is an incredible passer, breaking all the records and doing everything else. But when they – they don't – they don't – and even in the Barrett, they didn't throw very well intermediate routes. If you watch Ohio State, they throw deep with the idea of getting a big play or getting past interference. It's almost like they wishing it's going to work. They don't throw a lot of intermediate routes. Every once in a while, they'll throw a crossing route. They'll hit a quick slant in. They like to throw, you know, uh, wide receivers type screen plays and things like that. But when he struggles, I watched him several times. Watched him in Camp Randall. Watched him in the Big Ten Championship everything else. Watching when Michigan lost, I told my brother, watch, here it comes. And so he doesn't have a quarterback to do the things he likes to do. So in this, in this, in this, in this time away, what's going to happen is they're going to introduce one of their own, their backup quarterbacks who's going to be that Tim Tebow. Watch. They're going to come up with a way to do that because he got to have that in his system. Michigan, are you listening? They're yeah. going to do that. They're going to introduce it. You're going to see it here soon because he got to have that go-to move. Yeah, but on the other side of it, he got his ego. And he had a fourth and one when he probably could have played for a field goal, kept momentum going, he going to go for it, didn't get it. Urban Meyer will start to coach with his ego. You can tell there's some tension on the sidelines. They lose, big upset. It was an incredible game. I love watching that game. I mean, Purdue, I don't know if they'll ever play any better than this. This is a team that started, what, 0-3, now they're 3-3. and and put something together. I, I love what they're doing down there. You had a chance to watch that game. How did you see it unfolding? You know, what did you what did you take away from that, Darnell, when you watched that game about the Buckeyes, but also about the Boilermakers? Well, I, I, f- first of all, I got to give my hats off to Purdue. They, they yep. came back from um, not a very good start in the season, but um, they played well. They got some pretty good athletes on the team, but. Um, one thing I noticed with Ohio State was a lot of missed tackles. A lot of missed tackles. A lot of missed tackles, especially in the secondary. You got to come down and you got to wrap up and you have to make sure you can secure those tackles because uh, Purdue had a lot of speed. That's yes. one thing I saw. So if you let them get away and they can get an open space, that's where you can, they can cause you a lot of problems. But I'd like to, I'd like to uh, piggyback off of your um, 
Dwayne Haskins um point is um one thing I noticed with Ohio State is um they don't make him make a lot of of like reads and um yes of as far as reading coverages down the field and like um intermediate routes like you were saying what what they like to do is they like to give their athletes the ball in space because they that's one thing they do have. They have KJ Hill, very dynamic athlete. They have uh, Mike Weber, BJ um, Victor. I mean Ben Victor. They have uh, Mike Weber. And so yeah, they have they have a lot of athletes on the outside. But yeah, Dwayne Haskins is not that kind of dynamic athlete that he's had in the past, like JT Barrett or um, Terrell Pryor or yep. Braxton Miller. He's not that kind of guy. But they do have a guy. Um, I was gonna say. He he's a backup right now. Tate Martell, looking for him. He might they might give him some more reps going forward. But he's very fast. He's he runs about four 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 five. It's a white dude, real short. He uh, who's playing? I forgot. Is he from Vegas or L.A.? Yeah, he, he, I, I, I I thought my, I haven't looked at. I thought he's from that uh, the high school that Snoop's son went yeah, to in Vegas. Yeah, the Snoop Dogg school. Yeah. Yeah, that big school. But he might that might not be right, but. But he's that Tebow type without being the size, right? He's he's that he's that that change of pace quarterback. Yeah. So I, those are those are excellent points you made, observations about like you wrote that down. There you go, youngin, doing what you're doing. Look at you adding value. Look at you. I, I, I'm proud of you, like a proud papa. Hey, this is, <laughs> uh, this is <laughs> you, you, they don't understand. This this is why we call him a super intern, y'all. Y'all ain't ready for this young man. He he's waking up. He's he going to be a 2020 type guy. If it was basketball, 2020, we, we, it's the future. It's the future RSG right here representing. So you broke that down. What do you break down in terms of the coaching decisions? Like a lot of people are, you know, people are running analytics uh, about, you know, Urban's coaching decisions. And how do you, do you, do you have a sense that he's feeling the pressure of all the other external things? You can see some of the tension between they're hearing about the coaches, some tension between him and the AD. Is that spilling on the field in terms of that sense of urgency he's feeling rather than seeing the situation for what it is, he's trying to manufacture something that's not really there? I don't know. I think um, I've, I've always seen Urban Meyer as an aggressive play caller. Like he, okay. He'll go for, the, he'll go for um, certain plays. And I think in some instances, hey, if it works, he's a, he's a hero. If he doesn't work um, – you're gonna have to get blamed for it, and that's the kind of that's the that's the path he chose. And with Ohio State in the past, he's always had um, superior players, um, like NFL top NFL talent. So like they can usually get it done for him. But um, yeah, if it doesn't work, um, he's gonna get. They're gonna talk about him rightfully so. But um, I think if they work, then um, he's gonna get praised for it. It's, it's one of those kind of things. It, it's more results based. Do you think the do you think at the, see with this kind of loss? Do you think the Bozer family gonna have a trouble coming back to uh, Columbus land? You, do you think the Bozer family has the same love? They are like the first family of football right now with the with the Griffins and all that. Do you think? Do you think this puts a little more pressure? Even though he wouldn't have played in this game, I right? better not. Even he wouldn't have affected it, right? Because he couldn't play. He couldn't come back at this moment. But you know, you talked about tackling. Yeah, you know. A guy like that erases a lot of sins. <laughs> Great pass rushers can erase a lot of sins in the secondary, right? And uh, 
do you think that 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 even though he couldn't have been here, you know how state fans are. Yeah. Did that come up with some come out anger moment? What do you, what do you think those type of, of of issues you know coming up? Do you think those kind of things will affect a whole bunch of decision making around that? You never you never know because oh, Ohio State fans are crazy, but um, <laughs> they shouldn't. Um, I don't I don't think they should be. Um, should I don't think they should have um, pretty bad feelings about um, Bosa because yeah. at the end of the day he's doing what's best for him and um, he's already done some good stuff for the um, for the program. His brother delivered the championship, so the family. Should they should be um cemented with them just like the Watts were with um Wisconsin where you're at the border. That's right. Yeah, but you yeah they shouldn't they, they shouldn't have too much of a problem with them and um he he actually has a pretty good successor I think um um young, his last name's Young I think his first name Chase is it Chase Young yeah. number two yeah yeah number two he's a big fella he's gonna be good he's gonna yeah. be good. And he's getting a lot of reps right now with um, Nick Bosa being out. So yeah. I think they should be in pretty good hands. I think they it was, this was the classic trap game. Um, Purdue was horrible early in the season. They lost to Eastern. That's yes. one I didn't bring up. They lost to Eastern Michigan. <laughs> Turn around and beat Ohio State. I mean, that's, that, that's remarkable right there. And you know, Eastern had a run where they weren't winning any games. Nope. So – to have that kind of victory in your belt, you know, Eastern must be heading in the right direction. But so then we open up, the, you know, these things usually uh, pull the scab off of wounds. So then we come in and now uh, you have Ohio State. Now you have all these reports about um, Smith and Urban not getting along. The conference calls, he's getting, you know, with the press, he's getting asked questions about that tension between him and the coaches. Because some people are saying, hey, the team – when he was out, the team was playing at a much higher level, octane level, with the coaching staff was having focus. It seems to have brought some more tension in around them. You have this loss, and there's some tension there. Some reports of the coordinators not going to roll for recruiting visits, staying yeah. back at Columbus to work on and fixing things. We've been talking about this with Hank, and we'll probably talk about it on the, uh, one mic, so this conversation will continue. But with you here, you know, where do you see this ending? Like, you know, the president didn't really, wasn't really happy. You had a uh, board member who walked, a board region per- person who walked away after the decision. Do you start to see this unravel? Because they got a couple games, you know, he could lose. I mean, Urban can yeah. be able to write the ship, but he could, it's possible of losing a couple games coming up here yeah. if he don't write the ship. Yeah, I think um, winning, <laughs> winning covers a multitude of sins. That's one thing <laughs> I noticed in watching football and other sports, but, um, yeah, if Ohio State can keep winning games and they can right the ship, uh, there's not going to be too many problems, but if they do, if they start losing, because they could, they could very well lose to Michigan. I can see that yeah. happen. They can lose to Michigan. I don't know if they play Wisconsin. They have, do they have Wisconsin on their schedule? No, they don't play Wisconsin. But if they if they beat Michigan and then play, they they might face if things were face Wisconsin in the championship game. Um, oh, but okay. yeah, I mean they got they got uh, uh, they 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 got that Michigan game coming up, and that that's gonna be a that's gonna be one to to to, to figure out. I don't know if they still have um, um, trying to look at who they got coming down the stretch here. Um, I'm not sure if they still have. Um, 
Spartan or because they did they already play the Spartans? No. And so they yeah. usually play the Spartans. And so that could be a game where uh, you know they because they have a bye this week, right? So they're gonna have to write the ship uh, here, and then they're gonna have to figure out where to go. They got Nebraska coming up. That should be a win, but Nebraska is starting to find themselves a little bit. Um, and, you know, they're at the point where they, they're going to treat games like playoffs because they're trying to prepare for the following year. And then they play Michigan State. So they still got Michigan State. And I believe that Michigan State game is – that might be in East Lansing. So we'll have to see what it is. So that Michigan State game is always interesting, right? So that's – that adds on – so, you know, that Michigan State game could be a loss because Michigan State has, you know, played them well. You know, then they got to play Michigan. So this it's an interesting. There's some trap games in there, yeah. but um, not really trap in the sense that if they still have some of this tension, there's some teams that know how to play enough to add more pressure in that tension. If they don't show up to play, they're not gonna. They can't just roll the helmets out there and win. Yeah. But um, we we saw a little bit of this when um, with um the Golden State Warriors in the '73 and '9 year when um. When Luke Walton was the coach, everything was yep. great. They won – I think they won like 20-something 20 games in a row. Everything was going fine. And then when Steve Kerr came back, there was turmoil. They was getting the flights and stuff. Draymond yes. was yelling at the coach. Coach was yelling at Draymond. They was shouting in the locker room. Rachel Nichols was going in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, when um, winning – like I said earlier, winning can – um cover a multitude of things that, that goes on that goes on. And if they do end up getting getting back together and getting focused and they do beat Michigan State and they can beat and if they possibly beat Michigan or something like that, I think they can they can come together and get the job done. But if they if it goes bad, it can go bad fast with them. And if for, for some reason the national media so let's say they run the table, but they got a twenty point loss to the Boilermakers. It's funny how they evaluate Ohio State's record nationally. Like, they'll lose by 20 points, and people will just say, oh, that was just a blip in the record. It's, it's funny how they give them credit in ways they don't give everybody else credit. But we'll leave that alone. We'll, we'll keep this one going. So Michigan goes in and puts little brother back in their place. Now, I know you're a Michigan State fan, Sparty fan, uh, misguided, growing up in the Ann Arbor area, somehow found your way to green and white. But uh, you, you and my boy George Blaha, who I love, the, the famous Pistons, uh, 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 announcer and broadcaster uh, that I love. The only thing I like about it, he's a Spartan uh, announcer for Spartan. But it was good to listen to him announce the game as Michigan was winning. So that that was a good thing and being impressed with that. That game starts out crazy. You got you got the uh, Spartans coming out with the coach out there. Um, uh, I forget who they they kind of was w- warming up and. And kind of ran their line through him and yeah, had some Devin, words. What who was it? Devin Bush. I thought it was Devin. Yep, Devin. Devin ain't having it. His daddy ain't having it. You ever been around his daddy? He was <laughs> also uh, was uh, coaching in Michigan. He was intense. Devin ain't really having. It. Then he go and start scratching up and scuffing up the, the the emblem in the middle of the field. These are two teams who just, as you heard Hank say on, if you had a chance to go check us out at uh, Real Sports Guys on Blog, uh, you can hear listen to Hank talk about. It's this real hatred. And, you know, Ohio State has that natural – there's some hatred, and that's a kind of a natural, national kind of thing. But this is kind of backyard brawl 
type stuff where teams really don't like each other and putting it on it. Michigan looked good. Michigan's defense looked good. And they 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 did it without still, you know, one of their, their, their top defenders. And they kind of keep moving through. Uh, Harbaugh has clearly made the adjustment to implementing the offense he ran with Kaepernick and using that with Shea. Shea broke off a very long run, looks very comfortable in the offense. He's getting the ball to playmakers. Uh, the defense is getting key stops and was putting it together. Uh, D'Antoni over there looks a little bit stressed. His team looks a little bit fragile. Um, national media was talking about you better watch out. You know, Herb Street's a big Michigan State fan and talk about that. But <clears throat> they got some issues. But it was, it, was, it was interesting to see that this rivalry is back on. Now, you, you're a Sparty guy. So, I, you know, I, I love to hear your perspective. Well, the rivalry has been on, but um, I didn't actually get to see this game live. I saw some of, like, some highlights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, first and foremost, I got to say, Michigan, Michigan is a more talented football team top to bottom. So yeah. it was pretty, the outcome of this game was pretty expected from my standpoint because I saw Michigan State play before, and I don't think they're that good. They um, – but one thing we know was when this was this rivalry, you said you said it before, the backyard kind of feel. Yes, right. A lot of these guys, um, they a lot of the guys from Detroit, Flint, you know, areas around. Yeah. And um, the blue chipper guys, they go to Michigan. You got guys like Rashad Gary. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Chase Winovich. All those like, all those Diamond Peoples Jones. All like the. Um, Top guys, and then Michigan State will get like the local guys, like um, guys that come from Detroit and Flint and stuff like that. That's like we didn't get looked at like that, and we, we you guys might be like five, four star players, and we might be three star players, but we've seen you guys our whole life, and we gonna play y'all hard, and we gonna beat you. That's and right. They gotta be. I think Michigan gotta be wary of that little brother stuff because you remember last time that came up with Mike Hart. No, uh, Michigan was two and two and eight in the last ten years against Michigan State. So hey, you gotta take it, take t- um, take the good with the bad. That's how it is. But um, actually, I like the stuff that happened before the game because um, I like to see that kind of um desire and like yes. desire. like we want like um that like we're taking the rivalry serious and we want to beat you guys, and um, especially with Devin Bush. Because I heard a lot with um from the past couple years, um radio stations and stuff like that. They're, they're talking about oh the Michigan players, the Michigan kids don't take the rival the rivalry with Michigan State serious. I'm like, you don't take it serious. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Y'all are two and y'all are two and ten. You y'all are two and eight in the last ten years. How you don't take it serious? But yeah, I like I like what I saw from Michigan. They um they play very good. They show their strengths. Well, I, I think what I've always said is that Michigan's going to win those rivalries when they have a quarterback who reflects the personality of Harbaugh. And I think Shea reflects the personality of Harbaugh. He's a competitor. He gets after it. And for teams to be in those rivalries, you got to have a quarterback and a leader on the offensive side who understands it and drives people. And I don't think Michigan has always had those type of quarterback leaders over this time period in a way that I think Michigan State, Michigan State has some serviceable quarterbacks, but they have some good quarterbacks that you've seen in the league who were kind of vocal kinds of people. Yeah, and 
yeah. the quarterbacks have been some of the difference makers in terms of just competitiveness in a way that I think Michigan has lacked. And this is the first time I think in a while they brought a quarterback to the battle who understands competition because he came out of SEC where that matters. And so, oh, this is a rivalry? He came with it. And so you can see the enthusiasm and, and the energy Shea brings to that team and the competitiveness, right? And I think Harbaugh is riding that. And I think uh, Dylan has the same thing. I think the quarterbacks he had behind them come with that same spirit because Harbaugh was able to recruit these people personally in different ways. So I think that was a big difference in this game versus previous games, even though if you really look at it, they had a, they had bad weather last year, the year before they had a crazy kick where they were winning. You know, you have to add those elements into yeah. it. It wasn't like they weren't competing. You had a weird yeah. crazy punt in a, in a formation. I call it at the beginning of the year. And I hate that uh, uh, soccer style punting because you know this from coaching. If I know exactly where you're going to end up, because you got to do it that way all the time and you got to take a step, slide step. We're going to counter that with a rush to end up right there where you're going to be. It takes too long to get the, the punt. You need to do it more like Ray Guy. So I, I, I just like that before they blocked the kick, when they, when they ran that, that kind of strategy. But that was a fluke loss, but it gets baked into all of the, the, the losing streak kind of thing. But I think the difference was they finally brought a quarterback and a leader on the offensive side who is battling it. They've always had some good defenses. They just never had anybody on the offensive side that could 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 do it. What's my brother that – he got beat around up at Michigan State. I'm going to knock him out the game. Uh, what's Devin your boy? Gardner, uh, too. Every, uh, I said Devin Gardner used to get killed. Yeah, Gardner, who I love, but they beat him up to the point – That's when Michigan State had a dominant de- – they were like that – that like two or three-year stretch, Michigan State had a top five defense. They yes. had – Especially at the line of scrimmage, they dominated the line of scrimmage. They had um, guys like Shirley Calhoun, Jarrell yeah. Work, um, Malik McDowell. And on the back end, they had no fly zone. They had Darquez Denard, first-round pick. Yeah. Um, Trey Waynes, first-round pick. Top, these are lottery picks, top 15. Yeah. And had, um, guys like um, – who was the safety? Curtis Drummond. Yeah. So they had, a, they had great defenses. Michigan couldn't even move the ball against them, and that's what um, – they um they played old school football and shut the stop the run. Yeah. Football. They had Le'Veon Bell, they had Langford. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, so that's you, I mean, so now you start to see that level of talent on the Michigan side, along with that leadership. So we it, it's it's there. You know, uh, they come to they come to Ann Arbor next year. We're gonna have to see how that thing float in in and float on. So if, my question to you is: Washington State, Pac Pac twelve's only hope. Because right now the Pac-12, I don't know what to say about that. I think the Pac-12 is done. You think they're done? Washington State can – I don't know. They Washington State got to run the table. That's what they got to do. And they got a couple games that they have a chance of losing down yeah. the stretch. So, that's, that, I, mean, I think the Pac-12 is in trouble. This is one thing is, is this the year that UCF breaks through? Look, they've been, they were undefeated last year. Right now they dominate. They still have Southern Florida to play down the stretch. Um, so they got, they got, you know, that's going to be a big game, probably two undefeated teams, which will boost. They got, I actually got two. They got Cincinnati, another ranked team they got to play. So they're going to have some ranked teams to play down the stretch. And then they're going to have, uh, uh, they're going to have uh, 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 USC. I was going to say USC, USF, right? Uh, all these, all, all these, all these, all, all these different acronyms or whatever. 
you gonna have to do to play down the stretch. Um, it, do they have a case? Because some of these other teams are going to lose. You know, some of the teams ahead, LSU's got to play Alabama. Georgia's going to have some games to play. Um, Michigan's got to play Ohio State. Um, you got – and then they're sitting right there. Texas, I don't know if they run the table. You could, could – uh, uh, Notre Dame is a set. We'll talk about some of that. But they got to play USC. I think that might be a game going out. I think they got to go out to California to play that one. Uh, and USC is sneaking – you sneakily, uh, sneakily, if I think this work, getting better, right? They're getting better sneakily. I, I've created terms out here, youngin. Getting, getting better, but they're, 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 they're quietly kind of getting there. They, they're, they're firming things up at USC. They could be a different team by the time uh, Notre Dame uh, meets them at the end of the season. And then you got, you, you, you got, you got Central Florida kind of sitting there. Is could this be the year? You know, one of these mid-majors or a team like that who just went undefeated the year before, you got to say, come on, I got to give you the nod. Well, if they go undefeated again, I think um, the committee might vote them in, and I think they'll deserve it. They, they'll deserve the chance to go to go and test their medal against the best teams. But um, I don't think it'll work out too well for them, to be honest. But um, well, we, we, I'm not going to push it on them now. They they, they they ain't playing. They ain't playing scared. So we, we'll we'll see. They they beat Auburn last year. Everybody talked about Auburn. They whoop Auburn like they stole the government cheese. So and everybody said, well, Auburn's got to let down. Everybody got an excuse for stuff like that. How is it that just Auburn just got beat down? You know, it's always SEC folks come up with some some strange excuses when their team loses. You know, uh, uh, the whole team had a stomach ache and ate so much steak. I don't know what it is, but they come up with something else. But they could be a team to get – they could be a team to make a move. All right. I want to hit you, man. Everybody does a top five. Everybody in the country doing top five. We ain't going to do top five. That's not how we roll. We're going to be a little bit different. We're going to do top six. <laughs> We're going to have one more team on. <laughs> because in this day and age, there's probably about six teams. Like, we're going to have the official um, – Polls come out next week where they'll start to evaluate. The committee will do things. But we got our own committee. We got me and you the committee. In, in our next podcast, we'll add Hank to the committee. We got our RSG committee. We think our committee is better than their committee. So who are your top six? My top six teams. Um, well, the top six teams, I've got to give it to, well, there's a difference between the top six teams as far as the teams that deserve to be ranked ahead of the others and the top six teams that I think are the best teams. That's what I want. You want the best teams or the top I, I think who you think are the top six teams. Don't get caught up with everybody else's stuff. You go with what you know. I trust your expertise. You do what you did. Some of these teams on my list are going to have some losses. And some of these teams might have bad losses. Oh, man. <laughs> These teams, in my opinion, are the uh, best in the country. Who you got on East West Turkey State? No, I don't know. I you, you said some stuff like, "Okay, you know, you got, I got the, the the first three should be no surprise." Okay, Alabama, just off offering Alabama, Clemson. I got LSU. I have Michigan. I have Oklahoma, and I got Ohio State. That's my mm. team right now. Or as far as the best teams in the country. So the Ohio State one, given how they recently performed, is probably going to have questions. It's the week after the worst loss of the season. 
And uh, Oklahoma, so you put why you put Oklahoma over Texas, given that they lost to Texas and Texas Oklahoma defense is questionable at best. Great offense. Defense defense, I'll say it kind of got an identity problem. So talk to me about Oklahoma. The rest of the ones I probably don't have as much of, but why Oklahoma at this point? Man, oh man. Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma might be a more I, I still think Oklahoma actually that might not. But you are you I saying that you think you think Oklahoma think might run the table and then maybe avenge? Yeah. They play Texas if, they again, right? huh? if they played again, I would um I would pick Oklahoma to win. Okay. And um I might have have a little bit of bias here. Cause I saw Texas, I saw Texas lose to um, Maryland, and I was like, uh, I don't know. But at the same time, you can say the same thing about Ohio State. They lost to Purdue, so yeah. So, yeah. but I'm, I'm gonna give you that. You know, that's yeah. it's your list. It's your list. So here's mine. I think we probably at least the first two: Alabama, Clemson. At this point, I gotta say Notre Dame. They undefeated. <laughs> I gotta say that. I understand. Uh, Michigan. UCF and Georgia. Georgia, yeah. I think now Georgia's. I think Georgia's problems are self-inflicted. They've created a quarterback controversy they don't need to create. And I think that's <laughs> caused problems. I think some teams are making moves just to make moves. Look, you you went to the championship with this young man at quarterback. I don't think this is the same situation as Alabama. Tua is, was, was an elite quarterback coming to high school in a lot of different ways, did some things that you could have made a case to, to bring him in. I might not have done it, but you could have made that case, and he did it in a championship game. Prime is someone you build on. He, he got you to the championship. You lost in the game. He played decent in the championship. He wasn't – but you could build on that, and he probably would play better if you just totally invested in him as a quarterback, Right. Now you create this quarterback controversy that I think causes tension in ways that doesn't allow your team to perform in, you know, one of their big games to struggle. And but I think if Georgia just settles that part out, I think they have the ability to to, to run run the table. UCF, I think they've demonstrated over two years, <laughs> and the team is still going that they they got the qualities of a great team, and so I'm gonna give them that as an undefeated team. And I think they could be competitive against Michigan. They could be competitive against Georgia. They could be competitive against Notre Dame because Notre Dame don't have a great offense, right? Their defense has been stout. I think they might struggle against the talent of Clemson, but the offense on Clemson, I ain't really going with, even though they got the young. He might get better over time. I think he's shaky. And then obviously Alabama got all the pieces Together in, in terms of Tua and everything else, that, that's one that's hard to do. But I think they could be – they can make a run with any of these teams in the top. I think they could beat Texas. I think they could beat – I think they could beat a lot of these other teams. I think they could beat LSU because LSU can't score. Like, so I think they can score. I think um, – did Georgia LSU already play? Georgia LSU already played. Yeah. And I think uh, – what, uh, LSU Houston. Or else you got them. Yep, they did. So, <laughs> so, but I think 
at the end because LSU still got to go through the West. Oh, yeah. Georgia don't. So I just think, yeah, even though they got that loss, Georgia could only have one loss going into the SEC championship. You know, and LSU could have two losses because they got to go and they got to go and play uh, Alabama. Alabama, which could be another. It could be an L. So that's the part that I I, I factored in to this. So we're gonna check the temperature. We're gonna be like the committee. This is the RSG committee. We trust our judgment more so than the committee. Although we would like to have Condoleezza Rice on our committee. I'm gonna call uh, former Secretary Rice. We love to have her a part of our group because uh, we think she has value and she she knows her sports. So we would take Condoleezza Rice. We could add in Barry Alvarez, uh, RAD over here, who was, who was the inaugural. We could add a couple more pieces to our list to, to fill it out, but we all in on that one. Can you talk about one team to watch that you that Do you have a sense of a team that you've kind of been lurking and, 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 and looking at that you think is a, is a, is a team that uh, we need to pay attention to? Well, my team – they kind of already jumped out. The team that I was – my sleeper team from a few weeks ago, and um, they was Michigan, actually. <laughs> that team was Michigan because a lot of team, a lot of people had taken Michigan off the radar after they lost to Notre Dame. And they were thinking, okay, this is another Michigan year where we was getting hyped up and they got a new player. You know, it happens every year. They got uh, new recruits and – they play, and then they don't look the same when they hit the field. But um, I think I saw Michigan coming together, and Michigan, I think they can make a, a big push to be in the college football playoff. That would be my um, sleeper team, the Dark Horse team. But they're not yeah. necessarily sleeping anymore. They, they're they here. They're here. And, and we talked about them a little bit before, um, and I kind of brought them into – my team to watch because I kind of ruined it because I brought them in my list, but it's UCF. They're sitting at number 10. And when I look at all the teams ahead of them and I kind of took it away because I put them in my list, but they're sitting at number 10. They got Florida in front of them who could have, a, who have another loss. Oklahoma could have another loss. Georgia could have another loss. Texas could have another loss. LSU could have another loss. Michigan could have another loss. You know, in three weeks, UCF could be, in that six-five spot, like in a, a two or three-week period, if some of these teams have losses, so that's a team that's sitting at number ten that people uh, need to pay uh, attention to. And you could make an argument for Ohio State; they're sitting back at eleven, but they they they're a team that's not out of it because there's so much support for them nationally. People forget they lost by twenty. Some of that stuff is what I call some Celtic pride type stuff some leprechauns playing out for them. Those are some other teams to watch uh, a, a little bit. Washington State is sitting at 14 at 6-1. and one. Um, But I think, you know, I think there's probably, once you start getting down to the West Virginias, you know, unless there's some crazy stuff happening, we're probably catching some teams to watch at this point, the way the season's shaping out and what their, their, their opponents um, are, are looking like. So that's uh, – you listen to RSG, The Cypher with Darnell and Devon. You can catch us again on uh, at Real Sports Guys on all platforms. Uh, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our two-part interview we did with Dougie Fisher, myself, and Darnell. Uh, that's out there. A lot of people are listening to it. It's, it's, a, hot, it's a hot drop along with what we're hearing here. Uh, check out our other uh, uh, podcasts that are on the platform, One Mic 
we have we have inside the park with Hank, which will we'll have a, little, a, a few more episodes given that it's uh, we're in that World Series. We got a lot of stuff happening in the World Series, and uh, that we uh, we will be talking about with Hank uh, in our upcoming uh, one mic show. Uh, and also uh, check out the big show. We'll be bringing that back here soon with Marcus, uh, my man Phil T. Uh, we'll get back in the booth and 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 hitting that on. So it, we we've been it's been great to have my man Darnell, the intern, the super intern. But this is a young man that's been growing with every show. Man, it's been good to to have you uh, on here. Uh, I'm just gonna make some closing remarks. You know, we we started out by talking about this bruja between Chris Paul and Rondo. And what's a, what I appreciate in a, in a day and age in sports where we've tried to legislate out uh, the competitive beef that many of us grew up with, that is part of sports. Uh, we've been a lot of time, we just spent some time talking about rivalries, backyard rivalries. And the NBA had some of those natural rivalries in a way that, you can appreciate uh, very much that allow for people to fight for teams in a day and age where people follow players. And so on a, on a crazy side is we don't like to see punches swung or whatever, but I like the fact that people like Rondo, uh, people like Embiid, some of these folks don't care about being uh, unfiltered. I appreciate that they're not brand conscious they just about competition and being real. And in some ways that is a brand. <laughs> being authentic is okay. And they don't care who, who thinking about it. I appreciate the fact that uh, a person like Ingram isn't waiting for somebody to anoint him, that he's, a, he's trying to take his spot. And I don't care if you're James Harden, MVP, I'm gonna let you know, I'm not putting up with this. And you can see, at least in this case, why Magic, people say, well, why would Magic bring people like Rondo and uh, Lance and these kind of people? It doesn't fit in terms of flow and basketball and X and O's. Yes, they still have to win a game. But the reason why he did it is Magic understands to win, you first have to develop an attitude. And any success that you ever want to have in life you've got to develop a philosophy and an attitude about how you're going to attack the world. And it's good in a league where we have so many other stars that these kids at the, at the heart of it compare, they, even though they get paid, I've never seen this league as much have so many people young and old who just care about winning. And what we saw in some of these displays are people who just care about winning. They ain't caring about, they want to be the best. And part of this is they're going to challenge people who they think are in their way. Hey, on our, on our airways, we're going to support that. We may talk about it, laugh about it, but I think it's a lost element of society. And for us, we're going to give that some shine here. So, hey, guys, keep battling, but at the same time, stay healthy. Until next time, this is RSG Decipher, here with my man Darnell. Until next time, check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you on the other side. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.